Good evening, this is another walking around with Thomas NZ Ultimates Week Edition. I think we're at the end of season 30, I want to say. Um, and just sorry, walking through a crowd of people. Um, and we are, and I'm answering the question of. Uh, sort of a combination of league history and thing that I find interesting about the league. Um, so, in the tier one part. Um, hey, again. I didn't, I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen? I will do. Uh, so that is my neighbour telling me about the road closure that's up ahead because um, someone got violently attacked on our high road. Um, so the police have closed the road. It's a huge cordon. The high streets shut down, although traffic seems to be moving on it slowly now. Um, but yeah. Uh, Walking around with Thomas and Zed in East London. <laughs> um, sorry, yes. Uh, okay, so, Tier 1, Ultimate Week's task. Um, and I'm going to be talking about the role of GM and sort of the role of War Rooms and really around the art of team building, which... I think is absolutely the hardest, most underappreciated, easy to screw up, hard to get right job on our website community thing because um, it's so <laughs> there's so much to it, and there's so much that can go wrong, and so much luck that can swing one way or the other. And yeah, so. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about um, first my experience being part of the Austin expansion, which I've talked about a couple of times. So I'll try and be a little light on it or at least focus on what I saw were the actions of the first three seasons by the GMs and War Room there. Um, so that was Joe K and Adam S., um, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, my two experiences with the Baltimore um, team. The kind of, you know, the sort of, I don't want to say cautionary tale, but the kind of, the what happens when you just get it slightly wrong. And, you know, how it can just be that slight thing in it just doesn't work um and then you know the what is hopefully going to work and is so far on the right track but could still go you know wrong so um uh version and then i'll probably also twinkle in some stuff from one of my favorite um some leaguers jy who is the um, 
GM of the SHL's Manhattan Rage. He's also a player on the Yeti, I believe. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I'll kind of just sprinkle in some general stuff on, you know, the roles in which generally GMs need to take and what kind of things that they can or can't influence, what makes a useful and influential war room. Um, It's pretty ambitious. I'm probably not going to get there in 20 minutes, but I'll kind of stumble around until I do. Okay, I've reached the cordon. I'm definitely turning around or figuring out another way. Um, Okay. One of the issues they've got in the cordon is there looks like to be a lot of buses trapped in it and also ambulances like our high road a lot so they're having a lot of trouble getting around the police cordon. Um, Interesting. This is going to be a weird walk if I'm just kind of walking up and down 200 metres of high street. Um, But that's what we're going to do because I haven't left the house all day. Um, anyway, so starting at Austin. So for me, that's that adventure started being drafted uh, as part of the season 16 draft class. But of course, the Austin expansion happened with season 15. So what happened in... What happened in season 15? Huge Reddit class, huge decision to expand the league, and they decide to give each of the new expansion teams two draft classes before um, before actually starting to play games. So season 15, everyone who played in season 15 generally... Hmm, hang on. I might have the time frame wrong. This It might have been... Season 14. Yes. They joined the site in season 14. They were part of the season 15 draft class, I think. I'm really screwing up the start of the story. Basically, they got two draft classes. I was in the second of the two draft classes. So I was in the second wave of people to be drafted by the Austin Copperheads. Um, When I got into the locker room for the first time, um, the first kind of notable thing was is Austin went all in on what was quite a short season 16 draft class really and invested trade capital from the expansion draft where I believe they just drafted players that, this is rumour and vague memory they just drafted players that people wanted to keep and then got draft capital to get them back Um, so Austin went all in building a young roster with the first few drafts so 
its expansion core was, I think, mostly um, Adam S's running back. Um, and then Houston Cole was the quarterback in my draft class, I believe. Um, and he was the other GM. So Adam S is Dick Wizardry, I think. And Joe K is Houston Cole. Um, so those would become sort of part of the core of the team. They drafted a really decent number of players in their first draft, which I'm pretty sure is the season 15 draft, um, including the likes of TLK, who's actually in this upcoming draft again, um, part of the famous five from the San Antonio Marshals. They don't, they drafted SD Core, they drafted um, a fantastic user named Dizzy um, and a number of other players who I should remember but just can't at this stage. Um, there was a paramedic from San Francisco whose player name is not recalling me but you know we're talking four or five maybe more five or six actives from that draft class then in season 16 with all of their free sort of expansion draft draft capital so for the season 16 they drafted okay so they had three first round picks um the first one being the great Dermot. Um, Dermot Lavelle Jr. Second one being me, Peter Larson, the tight end. The third one being Mooty and Men- oh, I can't remember Mako? Mako Mendoza maybe? Running back. Um, so, of course, two Hall of Famers and a journeyman <laughs> paired for a first round. Um, and then in the second round, they also drafted Beaver at O-line, I think, and Joe Kay at uh, quarterback with their GM pick. So, um, yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to say here is Austin Copperhead's approach to team building was going all in on early on kind of getting two to three very large draft classes that would all grow together and all start together Um, with um Sorry, there's something strange happening on the street. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. Well, I've reached the end of the police blockade the other way, so I'm just going to walk back the way I came again. Um, so, 
Uh, I've already gone off the rails on this one, but I guess what I'm trying to say is Joe Kay and Adam S built through the draft, acquired as much draft capital as they could for two very big draft classes, as well as then drafting active players who they had um, kind of scouted and tried to build kind of coherently together. Um, one of the you know things where they did is you know they knew they wanted me and they wanted to keep me so they actually traded up to get another first round pick to draft um Mooty who was a friend of mine who I recruited to the site um yeah so they were trying to build a locker room that had friends in it that had people that wanted to play for each other and that was a very kind of purposeful move by by the GMs at the time um, they definitely made use of position changes in the war room a lot to help make room for the players they thought would be active um, and they were uh, you know I mean I think Adam S shifted out of running back pretty early on in order to facilitate another active user being drafted in season 17 for instance um, I know Dizzy shifted out of tight end so that I could be the tight end for instance for the thing. so he had fantastic box safety he had fantastic safety um, stats, if I recall, so I don't think that worked out badly for him. But I, I guess what I'm kind of getting at here is they built the team for a draft very strongly and very um, slowly, but also very all in on a few draft classes and then drafting well after that to kind of build a long tail. Um, Where am I going with this? I mean, I think, I think what we're now seeing in Baltimore is an almost exact replica of that. You look at Frickin' Hall come in, and Frick has a new quarterback that is going to be drafted at some point to the team, um, and the kind of. But the main premise is almost very similar. Um, anyone on the Baltimore Hawks who either didn't fit the kind of competition window or wasn't interested in being on the team anymore was basically moved out for whatever draft picks could be gotten and actually you know, a huge amount of draft capital was moved because there were some fantastic users and players on the team um, who I think just for lots of unfortunate reasons just hadn't had a chance to compete in the window. It you know, really makes me sad that um, Starboy's QB ended up retiring probably earlier than it should have um, just because it kind of ran out of steam in 
the league. I, I, yeah, I think I think when you've, I don't know, just just made me a bit sad when Starboy retired his um, his quarterback. But I, I think I I also really understood it, and um, I think that was for me is always the tragedy of a kind of failed rebuild or a a retool that hasn't kind of fired as you get these kind of disjointed kind of players who just sort of get caught out um yeah and you see this a lot every every team has them every every team that's not doing as well as it would like to be doing has that fantastic player on it that star player who just hasn't been able to have a squad built around them um, at the same time. It's it's really it's kind of t- really tough for those players, and it's really hard when we make. So I'm diverging here, but I'm kind of circling um, something. It's hard when we make friends in the league, and we want to play with those friends, but by doing that we also kind of limit the potential of the players and characters that we create just by putting that constraint on where we want to play and I think I actually think that's fine I just think that you know when we talk about some players not finding success in the sim I mean that's kind of I guess that's one that's kind of lucky unlucky it's also kind of sometimes the decisions we make which when coupled with the decisions that also happen around us can just compound up bad luck I guess this isn't really uh, it feels like I'm digging into a place that I don't really mean to be going but I mean I think I think with Baltimore you're seeing now um, that attempt at building the team um, and building it through a number of large draft classes. Um, so for Baltimore, I think you'd say that they have a large, a reasonably large sort of starting point at season 26 which is probably my draft class. I think there was... I think there's still three of us from that class. Maybe more. God, I don't even know. Um, And then there's a really big class in season 28. Um, And then another very big class in season 29... Um, and also some very high value kind of splashy members there that's interesting I, I, I don't know I think I don't really have the shape of this in my head well enough yet I think it's in some ways because in one of those descriptions the Austin one I described I came in halfway through the process in some ways um, and then the late Baltimore I was there at what was going to hopefully be the end of a retool but never it's never quite got there um, 
and just kept I mean this is the tragedy of um, Baltimore when I started it's just that constant sort of drain of just losing a free agent every season maybe two free agents one season and just kind of that coupled with the natural attrition of early retirements of people going IA like there's so much bad luck that can happen there but then kind of feeds into a kind of bad situation and like I don't I don't pretend to think that it was a fabulously managed place but there was also a lot of bad luck that kind of fed into that um, and I think what's interesting about being in Baltimore now then is it feels very exciting but it also doesn't feel done and then there's that question of how much more needs to be done before we're competing um, and that's an unknown and then I think there's also the are we going to make it or is something going to happen that trips us up? Are we going to go just slightly too fast and never get there? And because we never quite get there, then suddenly a couple of people start going to regression and suddenly we're going backwards, not forwards. And the window feels like it's closing. And then, I don't know, it's... um. It's a tricky situation. I think what is... It, I think it's a really interesting challenge that the league has. And, yeah, I think that general managers have. Is that how do you play the long game when, you know, a year... You know, seven seasons. So, like... Seven seasons? Yeah, about that. Um, how do you plan ahead that long how do you how do you figure out what you're going to do and I, I don't think there is a kind of straightforward approach but I think one of the things that I really value is GMs who recognise the power of scouting um, I think Frick is a great um, great person in this space so recognises that scouting is both an information gathering campaign but it's also an outreach campaign it's also about letting people know who don't get on your team what being on your team might be like um, and yeah I think doing stuff like that you know, when you can, you know, I let Frick down this season. I didn't manage to pull my end of the scouting um, scouting reports done. So if you're a linebacker in uh, the season 31 class and you didn't get an outreach from Baltimore, you could definitely blame Thomas NZ. Um, uh, and, you know, fortunately that bomb won't be around much longer. <laughs> Probably. Um, oh, I'm blasting all right, actually. But it's just a 
yeah, I, I think another GM I've seen do this is uh, JY, um, who, you know, famously never liked the um, interested prospects threads that used to be a thing over there and just didn't have one. And just, you know, scouted everyone instead. Or basically knew which drafts were drafts that he wanted to scout for and which drafts that he just wanted to trade all his assets away for. And I I think the... You know, I think Frick is a fantastic scouter and planner and kind of team builder. and But I, I still haven't seen anyone build with a long-term vision in the way that I've seen JY do it. Um, And just some of the kind of meticulous planning and long-term projecting and then adapting those long-term plans to the reality that turns up every season and readjusting and going from competing to retooling to rebuilding um, and you know trying to recognize going all in on a strategy you need to really commit uh, yeah so if anyone's trying to get better at GMing I strongly suggest uh, DMing or uh, messaging JY if you're in a shared team with him but uh, likewise I think um, I think it says a lot for how hard the GM role is in our leagues. On you, know, you just look at how many former GMs there are. It's a position that burns people out, um, and not so that they want to quit, but you know, so that they just don't want to GM anymore. Um, I think it's a interesting role. I'm very thankful that people want to do it. Um, but also very glad that I don't do it. Um, anyway, I think that was probably not my best effort. I think I'd like to turn that rambling into something a little more coherent. I'd love to talk about the nature of a good war room, but maybe I'll save that for another podcast because I think that is a really interesting aspect is what, is the role of a war room um and i think the teaser there is i think it's burden sharing for the gms um trying to make a make that job as easy as possible so that they don't burn out um yeah okay well i've kind of walked the high street twice i've uh, returned to my flat I've seen a lot of sirens and not that much traffic. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. And um, if you have any comments or thoughts or want to reach out, um, Discord DMs or site PMs or post it on one of my normal Thomas N. Z. walking around posts. Have a good one. Bye.